I have some of your questions I'm going to be answering. Today's a brave Q&A, and that's essentially where I'll be answering the questions that you have and you want answers to, to help you become braver today than you were yesterday. And this is going to be specifically on fitness. Let's jump right in. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Brave Today podcast. The show is going to encourage, challenge, maybe even provoke you to step outside of your comfort zone and take more action to better improve yourself and your health. I'm your host, Mark Avins, and in this crazy upside down world that seems to keep pushing a narrative for people to become softer and weaker and sicker and unhealthier and more dependent than ever, the goal and intent of this show is to help you navigate through this so that you can become braver today than you were yesterday. Now, listen, I know I've shared this before. Just real quick, we do a couple of different types of shows. We have Brave guest interviews. We do a Brave Q&A, which I'm going to be doing today. We also have what's called the Flavor of the Week and then also Breakthrough Episodes. And right now, we're just going to jump right in. I'm going to try to get through this. I think we'll probably be able to do this in two parts. I have some of your questions I'm going to be answering. Today's a Brave Q&A. And that's essentially where I'll be answering the questions that you have and you want answers to, to help you become braver today than you were yesterday. And this is going to be specifically on fitness. So if you actually have a question, I'm going to encourage you to drop your questions in the comments. You can shoot them through an email to me if you'd like, old-fashioned way through an email, marketavensfitness.com. Shoot that over to me and I'll make sure that we'll feature your question in one of our upcoming Brave Q&As. But let's jump right in. I have, I think, seven of them. We'll try to get through seven. I have 14 here total, but I'm going to go through seven of those questions. So the first one, how many calories do I need? That's the very first question. How many calories do I need? It's pretty much an open-ended question. You have to get into context. Well, what is it you're trying to achieve? Are you trying to put on muscle? Are you trying? Most people that I talk with and most people that are in my space are looking to lose weight. So I'm assuming this one is how many calories do I need to lose weight? And really, it's essential that you understand like calories are used in your body different ways, but also consumed like we consume calories different ways as well, right? We consume them through the things that we drink, eat, and so forth. As far as how many do you need, you got to actually find out and you got to do a little bit of investigating. You got to kind of learn about how you're using your body. Do you sit at a desk all day? Are you up and moving? Do you know how many calories that you're currently eating now? Honestly, before actually going into how many do you need for, say, a specific goal, if your intent is maybe to lose weight or gain some lean muscle mass, if that's what you're trying to do. But ultimately, most people are trying to keep the calories away or at least trying to minimize so they don't put on extra, pack on the extra pounds, right? So you got to realize that 2,500, 3,500 calories, excuse me, is a pound of fat, 3,500 calories. So if you're just looking at over the course of a week, if you're putting on pounds, if you're putting on one pound a week or two pounds a week, just on a general outside kind of looking in 500 calories per day times seven days in a week is 3,500. Now, if it worked like that, like clockwork, which it doesn't, then you can pretty much get a good estimate of how many calories you need if you want to lose one pound a week, then you want to remove about 3,500 calories per week in your diet. So if you say, say you're taking 2,500 calories a day and you multiply that by seven days a week, right? Like the average, if you add up your calories and you do 2,500 calories per day times seven days a week, if you're able to think about, are you gaining weight? Are you losing weight? Then you want to look at it from that perspective. 
And then also you want to look at what you're doing through the day. Are you more active? Ultimately, you just need to look at kind of take a baseline of where you're at. The best way to do that is to actually track your calories for the week as hard as it is. And it isn't something that I'm going to recommend as sustainable. In order for you to know how many you need, you need to know how many you're taking in. So it's going to be a little bit of legwork on your end, on the front end, to actually decide if you're going to count calories, which means I'd really highly recommend you don't try to diet, you don't do it when you're behaving. You actually look at your calorie intake through the week on just a normal week when you're not maybe paying attention and focus. So just actually count those. And then start with trying to remove approximately 500 calories from your daily intake per day so that you can be on track to looking at losing a pound a week, if that makes sense. If you're going to calorie count, I honestly don't do that. In our coaching program, we have our clients look at the quality of food that they're eating and look at portion sizes. And then we make it more sustainable and teach our students right from the front end how to look at overall, looking at the quality of food and the amount that they're eating, and then work on that over time. So you don't have to be counting calories because reality is you go out to eat, you go on a holiday party, you're never going to have any idea how many calories you're taking in. But on as far as how many calories do you need, ultimately, again, to remove a pound of fat off of your body per week, you're looking at 3,500 calories. So number two, let's jump right in. I maybe went a little bit deeper on that one, but that's okay. Number two, should I eat before a workout? And that's very subjective as well. I'll share with you a story I'll never forget. We had a gym back in back in 2010. So, you know, back about 13 years ago, we opened up a gym in our local neighborhood at the time we were living in Florida. And I'll never forget, we did group fitness. We had personal training, small group training, and so for private training. But the majority of the members that came in came in for small group. And we did an early morning workout and it was 5.30 in the morning. We did a 5.30 and a 6.30 and a 9 o'clock and an 11 o'clock and a 6 p.m. But I'll never forget, we had our hardcore group at 5.30. People that, you know, they worked. The only time that they could work out was early in the morning. They had families like we did as well as far as young families go. And they needed to get their workouts in early. But they were the hardcore group. They got up, you know, 5 over to the gym, started 5.30 out the door at 6.30, you know, going on with their day. And there was a young guy, and I'll never forget, and he came to the gym, and we started our workout. There was probably 30 people in this group workout, kind of like boot camp style. And I'll never forget, we saw some of the members in the gym, like, pointing to the bathroom, and there was a, the young guy was running to the bathroom. And as he was running to the bathroom, he projectile vomited everywhere all the way on, like he got to the door to the bathroom. And as he just was about to open the door, he just projectile vomited everywhere. And when he came back, he said, well, first, I don't usually get up this early. And, and he was, he was a nice guy. I felt bad for him, but any projectile vomited over just everywhere. It was awful, but it was all like chocolate. So again, not to be more graphic than I need to, he Projectile vomited a bottle of Ensure, uh, like a protein drink. He drank in a bottle of Ensure before he thought he needed to have his body fueled with protein before a workout. And, and he was misinformed. But the story is to share with you that some people do well. I'm not saying that you should be swigging down a bottle of protein drink before a workout. But I know for a fact, I don't do as well on an empty stomach working out. I know some two people do better to go on an empty stomach. You know, you hear like fasted cardio and that sort of stuff. I tend to find I need to have a little bit of something in my body. I like to have a small, like a half a protein bar, or I'll have some sort of a small carbohydrate, maybe anywhere from 100 to 200 calories, something small on that before my workout. Sometimes I'll go 
on an empty stomach or maybe an hour or two after I've eaten. And that's fine as well. But as far as should you eat before a workout, you know, you want to try it out, see how your body responds. Now I wouldn't recommend going on a full stomach. You know, you go out to lunch and go to the gym right after the problem when you do that is all of your body is being focused on digesting your food. So all the blood is being pumped to your stomach to help digest all that food. And it's going to be hard to really get a good workout, regardless if you're doing cardio or any kind of strength training routine. So that's number two. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'd love to hear from you, by the way, what works best for you? Do you eat on an empty stomach or do you eat more on, you know, having something in your stomach before you go to the gym or before you get out on the road to go for a jog? So number three, what should I eat before a workout? Well, I already answered the third question. So as far as what you should eat before a workout ties into number two, should I eat before a workout? Now, what should you eat before a workout? And I think we already answered that. So I already did two and three together. Again, I would just not recommend that you go on a full stomach for the reasons that I just shared. But as far as something on a, you know, you can have a half a banana or you can have a protein bar or even a whole protein bar. Again, just depends on how your body responds. The key is you're going to be working out, right? So if you're going to the gym and you're working out, say three, four days a week, ideally, or even more, you have a week, try out some different things, maybe buy a couple different things. Or if you, you know, if you don't do well, I know some people just like to do like a pre-workout or a caffeinated beverage just to kind of get pumped up, get their energies up before workout. That's fine as well, which is kind of my next question. So we might as well roll into number four. Are pre-workout supplements bad for you? That was actually one of the other questions that came up. And I'm trying to line these up so that they go in order. So speaking of that, I'm not honestly the biggest fan of supplements on a general level, only because from what I've researched and what I've seen, the majority of them are just taking your money. The majority of supplements, things, how they're processed, where they're made, how they're made, what's actually in it, is it in it? And that's, that's the issue because a lot of times if I were to say, yeah, I'm all for supplements, I'm all for pre-workout, you're going to run out and buy. A lot of times people just buy out the cheapest stuff and just kind of go on blind trusting what you're buying at a store, whether it be Walmart or your grocery store or supplement store. And unfortunately in the industry, the regulations, there's no regulations. There's a lot of garbage out there. If you want on information on what I believe and trust, and I'm not here to market or promote, but I'll share with you what I believe and I actually like and have seen and research, you can reach out to me privately and I'd be happy to share the supplements I do. I do pre-workout, I do supplements, but again, I'm not paid by any of those. So you can ask if you want to reach out to me after what I prefer. And I, I use a pre-workout sometimes. Sometimes I go after my morning coffee. I like having a little bit of a extra energy boost on that sense. But I would say for the most part, pre-workouts aren't necessarily bad for you. You just want to be careful on where you're getting your supplements from. And that can be everything from a multivitamin to your omega fatty acids. If you're doing that, if you're doing any kind of protein shakes or protein supplements, and that's on supplements on a whole, but pre-workouts aren't going to be that bad for you. Now, I will say if you have too much of a good thing and actually can become a bad thing. So you want to be careful. You don't want to be overstimulated. So if you're like downing a big giant thing of coffee, then you don't have anything in your stomach and then you do a pre-workout, you can be over-caffeinated. That can get you in trouble over time. So I would be careful with that. Again, it's like anything, right? You, too much of a good thing is not going to be a good thing. So here's the next question. Let's go on to number five. How do I get started working out? You got to just start. 
I mean, there's a thousand and one ways that a million and one ways that you can get started to work out. You can simply just put on some shoes and go out for a walk, right? You can start there. You can start simple. If you have a bike that's been sitting in your garage and the weather is okay for you to go out for a bike ride, you can start there. If you remember back in school when you're able to do push-ups and pull-ups, you can literally, you know, start doing push-ups, just have a small space in one of your bedrooms or in a living space and get down and start doing some push-ups. You can start there. It doesn't have to be like so specific in the beginning and just start. As far as like just on a little bit more specific, you want to make sure, depending on where you're at in the season of your life, if you have some injuries or if you're a little bit older, maybe you've been away from the gym for a while, when it comes to getting started, don't think you're going to be able to do what you maybe were able to do 20 years ago. You also don't want to compare yourself to others. So you want to be careful. Like you go to the gym and you just jump in any kind of group workout. You might be next to somebody who's the same age as you or looks the same age as you, but they might've been in that class for the last three years, going four days a week nonstop, right? And they might be crushing it. So you want to be very, very careful. Ultimately, as far as getting started working out, if you're concerned about what you can or can't do or not sure, or or really want to know the best way to get the best results, ultimately, your, your best bet is to find out who can help you get there. I mean, that's why there's people like me that exist. There's coaches and trainers and stuff that actually have a track record of working with people already being successful with them, helping them on their journey to getting started. So I would recommend, even if you have some knowledge, chances are it's probably older. Maybe it works, something that worked for you as far as working out when you were in your 20s, but now you're in your 50s. You know, your body's different. It's making some changes. A couple of things that I had done in the past that I don't do now, I don't really do much plyometric training. Although if you were to ask me 10 years ago, I was doing a lot of it when we had our gym, climbing ropes and kettlebell swings. I haven't touched a kettlebell in over a year. I do more of a traditional strength training routine where I actually go to the gym. I do walks. I try to get a walk in every single day, a power walk, at least 45 minutes to an hour. I try to get in 10,000 steps essentially throughout the day, uh, slacking on that a little bit lately with the cold weather. But as far as the gym goes, I do more of a traditional style workout. I felt really, really good. It's been great for my body. There's definitely things that I don't do that I did 10 years ago, even five years ago. I haven't really run, although I'm thinking maybe that would be something interesting to try into the new year. But again, ultimately, the reason why I'm able to do that as far as I've already been started. So as for you, if you're just thinking about getting started and you want to do it the right way, you don't want to get discouraged. You don't want to get injured. You want to get results. The ultimate goal for you is to get results, right? The reason why you're getting started is you want to make improvements. So the best thing to do that I would recommend is that you get some help, like ultimately get some help. Like if you want to make more money in your business, you want to get around people that are making more money in their business that's similar to yours, right? You want to actually develop a better relationship with God in your faith journey, right? Then you're probably going to want to be around people who are already doing that. You want to get yourself in the environment where you can be successful. It's no different than working out. If you want to get started working out, I would highly recommend you get around people who are already ahead of where you want to go. They're already there or working towards that and can help you get there. So I hope that helps. Now, next one, what should I eat to build muscle? Great question. So ultimately, you want to be eating lean proteins and healthy, fresh foods. The hard thing is where the heck do you get them these days, right? They have all these kind of crazy things that are out there, what they spray on foods, even with organic and the stuff, this chemical peel appeal they have, crazy stuff that's out there. Ultimately, you know, in today's day and age, It's almost like 
I mean, you're going to war when you're going to the grocery store. Like, is this healthy? Is this sprayed with pesticides? Is this chemicals in here? Is it going to give me cancer? All that kind of stuff. But as far as eating, you know, ultimately, if you can find, and this is what I found since moving here to Colorado, if you can find more of local produce, things that you know are maybe less tampered with, or they're not like the produce that you're buying now, this question was more for protein, but this relates to protein as well as far as what you should eat to build muscle. Ultimately, you want to be eating healthy, fresh foods. And when you're thinking about lean sources of proteins, you want to be making sure that you're getting those to build. But like you can eat healthy foods, but if you're not doing strength training, then you're not going to build muscle. So it's kind of like a double-edged sword. But in a good way, if you think the only way you're going to build muscle is if you actually break down muscle. The way you're going to break down muscle is if you actually challenge your muscle by pushing it. Like you need to lift. You need to be lifting things up and down, heavy things. You need to be growing and getting your body accustomed to doing hard things. Hard things are going to improve. They're going to help your muscles build. They won't build as far as to build muscle. Lean muscle, get toned. Ladies, if you want to get toned. Guys, you want to build you know, strong arms and you want to have the chest out, right? Those kind of things. You have to work hard in the gym. You got to work hard at home. You have to strengthen. You have to challenge your muscles. You have to challenge your body. But then you also have to realize that's only half of the equation. The other half is making sure that your body is getting the right nutrients, the right nutritional needs. Now, as far as protein goes, you need to be looking at lean sources of meat. You can do vegetarian or vegan. I'm not that expert, so I can't give you all the details on that. But I can say that again, until you start to realize that this is like a, there's a balance between the two that you need to understand. There's no sense going into how much protein, this and that. But as far as what should I eat to build muscle is sharing that with you. You need to be eating whole, healthy, fresh foods, proteins. I was mentioning earlier about the farmer's markets. You find maybe a local produce or a local farmer. I know I actually just talked to a guy that I know here in the area and he just bought a half a cow. He just bought a half a cow and he knows it's grass-fed, grass-finished. There's no junk in it. He's getting real stuff from a farmer. If you can do that, kind of think about back to the basics. Like when I grew up on a farm, we raised our own chickens and cows and we had pigs and we had our own bacon. I was like, I think I'm very grateful now, even though it was really hard work as a kid, I'm really grateful that I had that upbringing and you know, that's a lost, that's something that's lost in today's, we have so many things that convenient to the grocery store, but I can tell you eating to build muscle, you have to be really a good advocate of your health, a good consumer when it comes to food and looking at as little processed as possible. You have to do your work. You really do in this day and age. All right, let's do one more. Oops, this is a good one. Speaking on muscle, what are the best muscle groups to train and train together? So I guess it's like two-part question. What are the best muscle groups to train? So all muscle groups are great to train. They're all going to be beneficial. There's nothing worse than seeing, and I know some genetics plays a part too, right? So you see guys in at the gym and they're just hitting the upper body, they're doing chest and buys, chest and buys, chest and back, upper body. And then you look at their legs and they're like, like sticks or they're wearing like long pants or sweats, you know, like they're wearing joggers or sweats. I think joggers is the, the newer word. If I said sweatpants, like you guys are resonate with sweatpants. So they're wearing sweats to the gym. They want to cover up their little chicken legs, but you want to be working all muscles as far as a training together, if you think of like push, pull, like if you think of hip dynamics, think of squats, lunges, those type of things. In simple terms, 
you have like the front of your body, which is your anterior chain. And then you have the back of your body, which is called like the posterior, your posterior muscles, your anterior muscles. So you can think of like chest and triceps, right? Like that's one people go, they hit the chest. So you got your push muscles, right? These are like your push muscles. And then they do like back and biceps, your pull muscles. So you're doing pulling movements, curls or like a pulling movement. Those are ones to build together. But ultimately, again, you can get specific. And unless you're bodybuilding, the general rule that I have as far as best muscle groups, if you're pressed for time, you're better off working, say you have only three days a week and you have 30 to 45 minutes. Should you do like a chest and tricep workout and a back and bicep and then a leg workout maybe on the third day? I would definitely not recommend that. What I would recommend you do is to try to work all of your muscle groups all three times so that you get three times of training for all those muscle groups. Now, if you have more time to train, I know I get to the gym pretty much six to seven days a week. And in that I do have more time that I can train and be a little bit more specific, spend a little bit more time on there. But for the average person, as far as if you're getting to the gym, think about this. If you have less time, you want to do more muscle groups in your workouts. If you have more time, then ultimately, if you can spend more time in those areas, you can just do a back workout or a shoulder workout or chest. You do a leg workout. That's going to be great. And then mixing that as well with cardio. That I think is the last question for number seven. Now I have seven other questions, but I think I'll save that for part two. And let me just ask you this, when it comes to fitness, and this is just kind of my question for you to leave you with thinking about your fitness. One of the things that I think is missing the question is do you set big goals for yourself when it comes to your fitness? I know I talk to a lot of people and they say, oh, I just want to maintain. And they're really not maintaining because they're getting older and they're doing the same workouts over and over. And their body's going through changes, hormonal changes, testosterone, they're losing, like all those types of things, right? And it kind of is, you know, we're all aging. The effects of aging happen to all of us regardless of how we prolong the inevitable. But I want to share with you, like, when you're setting goals, and I want to encourage you now, not wait until the new year, I want to encourage you now, maybe you're catching this in the new year, maybe you're watching a replay of this, but do you set big fitness goals for yourself? And there's something that I learned this past year, and it's called a masogi. A masogi is where you're actually doing something like one big thing, one big thing that's going to take you out of your element that's going to challenge you in a way that you haven't been challenged before. And I met that challenge, if you will, this past year. We did what's called, and my wife actually did as well, called the Everesting 29029 event. But we took ourselves out of our comfort zone. We did something we've never done before, something that was scary. And I'll tell you what, it was really one of the highlights of the year doing this event on my 51st birthday with my wife out in Vancouver in Canada. And it was really amazing. And Whistler, Blackcomb, we climbed a mountain eight times. We had 36 hours to do it. And it was the, why it was called Everesting is actually, it was a vertical of Everesting. And it was really something that I was, I will say I was a little bit nervous. The point is, it was a big goal that we set for ourselves. And it was on our mind throughout the year. It was great. We had where we signed up at the end of November, early December, and then had through September something that I thought about and got excited about. And I, I want to ask you, is there something that you have that's exciting to you that your fitness is going to allow you to do? If not, I really challenge you in this new year coming up 
to set a big, scary, hairy goal for yourself and your fitness, regardless of your age. One of the things that we're doing, and this is on January 6th, and I'm going to actually do a podcast. I don't want to give it all away. On January 6th, Colin O'Brady, he was the creator of the 12-hour walk. If you've ever heard of him, he is an extreme. Uh, he also is, is one of the co-founders, I believe, and spokespersons for Everesting 29.29. And this is a shout out for sure to him. But he came up with this thing called the 12-hour walk. Now, there's a whole story behind it. I'm not going to get into that. But on January 6th, my wife and I were going to go our separate ways, and it's a 12-hour walk. And we did that last year as well. And it's something that anybody can do. You're like, there's no way I could do 12-hour walk. Well, you got to learn what that is all about. But again, if you're already saying you can't do something, then again, you're going to need to get out of that mindset. And this is my encouragement to you in your fitness pursuit is to set yourself a big Hairy, scary goal in the new year. Go look up Masogi. Go look up where you can get yourself out of your comfort zone because truly that's where all the magic takes place. It is something as cliche as it sounds. It is something I found when you can step out of the comfort zone, you're going to step into something new and exciting. And I hope as I'm going to be pursuing something new and exciting in the new year, I hope that this message gives you that little push. Maybe that ignites that spark for you to set a big, lofty, hairy, scary goal for yourself and your fitness coming into the new year. Anyway, that's all we have for today's episode. And as usual, just in respect to if you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, just subscribe, share the show with your friends. And if you want to stay up to date with the Brave Today show and get all behind the scenes content, you can follow me on all social media. And I do, I'll just give you a little taste. We have something coming that's brand new, something that's very exciting, working on our own platform. Uh, more to come on that. Take care. I hope today's episode helped you become braver today than you were yesterday. Take care and God bless.